Hello, and welcome to Achieving Resilience, the 25th episode in our Crossing Thin Ice podcast series, brought to you by Actuarial Risk Management. My name is Max Rudolph, and as always, I'm joined by Dave Ingram. Some practices make sense no matter what kind of project you're engaged in. Today, Dave will walk us through some building blocks of an ERM system that, that help an insurer survive when times are tough, sharing some of his broad experience. We hope the Crossing Thin Ice podcast series will help you with your ERM program and risk knowledge. Our program sometimes looks at specific risks and other times we'll consider practical aspects of risk management. By the way, nothing in today's podcast is intended to be investment advice. We're here to provide educational material on ERM topics without getting lost in the weeds. We hope that you will also take advantage of our complimentary quarterly newsletter and webcast on a variety of risk management topics. Let's get started and talk about resilience. I often describe ERM as a set of N plus one control cycles. That is one for each of the N key risks and one more for control of the aggregate risk in comparison to the aggregate ability to absorb losses, usually in terms of surplus. These control cycles are the true skeleton of ERM, but there are four additional aspects to ERM that are needed to provide resilience for those who adopt and maintain an ERM system. The first of those is transparency, and transparency is needed around the level of exposure to key risks, the success or failure of risk mitigation activity, and the gains or losses associated with past risk exposures. The second is discipline. That is the commitment to reliable management of all key risks and to the aggregate risk of the firm. The third is alignment. Alignment is consistency between the primary strategic objectives of the firm and the objectives of the risk management programs, so that ERM supports the primary goals of the firm. The fourth is adaptability. That means planning to react to information about the changing risk environment to keep the focus on the risk management system that's needed to succeed next year, not last year. The ERM process draws its power from transparency and discipline and its direction from alignment and can only maintain its effectiveness over the long term with adaptability. While each of the four keys to ERM provide these tangible benefits, resilience can only be achieved with all four. But this seems so self-evident when you look at it on paper. These four practices were chosen by me because of my experiences with insurers who never thought to adopt one or more of them, though. Without transparency, risk management ends up being, in effect, a private choice of the managers and supervisors whose areas touch on the risk as it enters and potentially impacts the insurer. No one will know exactly what risk management that they are doing. This has a major impact on the next two practices. Without discipline, risk management cannot be counted on to be there consistently, protecting the insurer when it is needed. In 2008, I heard that a major writer of variable annuities with embedded guarantees decided that hedging those guarantees were suddenly just too expensive that year. 
so they didn't bother to buy the hedges. That extreme example of a lack of discipline ended up causing them to lose a significant fraction of their capital when the stock market crashed. In that case, the decision not to hedge was made by a senior officer, but in other cases, lack of discipline is found at the other end of the insurer's hierarchy. How often is it noticed when a claim is filed that facultative reinsurance was not purchased for a new policy that was much larger than the insurer's stated retention? In either case, transparency would have made a big difference about how easy it would have been to just skip the risk mitigation. Discipline also includes the practice of consistently examining the root cause of both losses and wins. Without alignment, the risk management system will be like a suit of clothing that is the wrong size, perhaps too tight in some places and baggy in others. One way of thinking of alignment is the degree to which the actual risk profile matches up with the planned risk profile in terms of the mix of different types of risks. A risk management program that is out of alignment could result in concentrations in different risks than the intended strategy of the insurer. For example, too much homeowner risk and not enough auto risk when the strategic vision of the insurer is to concentrate on auto risk. Another type of alignment might be in terms of the degree to which the insurer takes on risks with highly volatile earnings risk versus risks with high amounts of solvency or capital risk. In both types of alignment, the insurer's strategy is likely to be based on a combination of the expertise of the insurer in selecting and managing different types of risks and the shifting environment that could cause some risks or aspects of those risks to shift higher or lower over time. Again, transparency can be a powerful tool to identify situations where the risk management system is not aligned with the strategy. And finally, without adaptability, the risk management system may be a highly touted, well-executed way of managing the most significant risks under a particular strategy. But as time passes, the nature of risks, the impact of competition on the availability of the best risks at a good price, and the expectation of stakeholders for the short-term earnings may change. If risk management doesn't adapt to these changes, it will be marginalized. On the other hand, in some environments, the risk manager who tries to go along to get along will end up abandoning their fundamental role entirely. Again, looking to the financial crisis for examples, the financial institutions that had the worst experiences adapted too much, abandoning many of their fundamental risk management practices. The institutions that had the least bad results were the ones where risk management was able to bend but not break, not completely avoiding the ultimately toxic mortgage securities, but limiting their exposures so that the ultimate losses were large but within or at least close to their tolerances. That bending without breaking is resilience. Management at resilient financial institutions were able to see what was happening through transparency. They were able to count on risk management to consistently implement their program, even as all hell was breaking loose around them, which is discipline, following the firm's strategy through alignment, 
and changing as management became aware that it needed the change, which is adaptability. That is how to achieve resilience. Are you challenged to meet your need for actuaries? Actual risk management can help. ARMS Data and Modeling Institute, or DMI, is a team of talented and experienced modeling actuaries working with an extensive bench of senior consultants. ARM will partner with you to shift all or part of your actuarial and modeling needs to the DMI at a significant cost savings without sacrificing integrity. Contact ARM today about how the DMI's modeling evaluation services can help position you and your company for tomorrow's challenges. Uh, Dave, can you say more about why alignment with, with strategy is important when you're trying to achieve resilience? Well, I, I think alignment with strategy is important in general for risk management. And, and I guess I use the analogy of, of thinking as strategy as a stream that, that, that's, that's flowing fairly rapidly if it's working well. And the risk management program you could think of as a canoe that's out in that stream. And uh, if you've ever been in a canoe in a fast-moving stream, you know that it's real easy to go downhill, to be aligned with the stream, with the strategy, and to go that way. Uh, you can also fairly easily go diagonally to either bank, so you don't have to go exactly where the strategy is going. Uh, you can do that pretty effect effectively. But it's very difficult to go upstream, to go against the strategy. So if, if you want to get anything done with your ERM program, you probably need to be aligned with your strategy. Uh, and if you're going for resiliency, you, you, you do want to have uh, an effective ERM program. But sometimes you have to recognize, too, that the strategy needs to adapt. Uh, you know, we, we talked about risk management needing to adapt, and, and sometimes the strategy, the stream needs to go a different direction if, 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 uh, if the company is going to be... Uh, successful in, in, in a changing situation. That's interesting. Dave, Dave, we've, we've been doing this for a while now. This isn't our, our, our first set of topics. This one reminds me of, of some of the others that, that you've written in the past. So, so how does the story here of adaptability relate to a, a recent uh, topic that you covered? Why insurers do ERM and, and how does that apply here? Well, in that why insurers do ERM story, we, we talked about a survey that we did about risk management priorities. And we had, I, I think it was a dozen or uh, different possible strategy statements. And uh, I was a, a little bit surprised at first as to which ones kind of rose to the top with the highest priority and which ones fell to the bottom with the lowest. Uh, but after I thought about it for a while, I realized that, yeah, that, that's probably right. And it relates to the what, we, what I just said about uh, strategy needing to adapt and risk management adapting. Because of, of how different <laughs> the last couple of years have been, uh, the, the number of really major disruptions that we've seen, uh, you know, between the, the pandemic itself, the secondary effects of the pandemic on economies and, and supply chains and inflation, and then in addition, the, uh, the major conflicts that have started to, uh, to break out and, and, and the, the repercussions of those, it's, it's a very difficult time right now. And, and so uh, the, the priorities have shifted away from the more complex risk management strategies, uh, the, those that require you to have 
a pretty high level of confidence in, in your model's ability to to give you uh, good direction. And, and so instead, we're focused, uh, and, and what we found in that survey, the folks are focused on the very basics of risk management. Uh, identifying risk, for instance, is, is something that you kind of took for granted for a long time, uh, but we got it wrong. You know, hardly anybody had a pandemic real high on their risk register before it happened, for instance. And, and so being better at identifying risks, for instance, is, is something that people identified as, as, a, as a possible priority. They shifted away from growth as well. When things are uncertain, you, you, you don't want to charge ahead and grow in a really rapid way because you're afraid that whatever you grew in will be the thing that blows up next. Uh, so you probably want to be a little bit conservative about your, your growth goals as well. So you're shying away from the growth, you're shying away from the the, the, the complex management, and, and you're sticking with the, the simpler things. And so that's it's, uh, adapting. Well, let me ask you a question, Max. We've talked about this a, a number of times. How do you think it best to strike a balance between short-term profitability and long-term resilience? Because uh, that's sometimes what it seems like the trade-off is. What factors should be considered in in this kind of decision making? Yeah, I don't think there's a specific formula that you can use. You can you can build off transparency, discipline, alignment, and and adaptability as as you talked about, and those are a great start. But experience, I think, plays a role. It's it's hard to have foresight without having seen previous cycles. I, I've said before that investors. Uh, typically start out thinking they can optimize results using a formula often as as traders would uh, until they live through a correction and they find that it doesn't work. Uh, it's always best, by the way, if that education comes early in their career uh, with small amounts of capital. There's a, a risk when you have long periods of stability of thinking that you're smarter than you really are. But after a second correction, many of these investors become either indexers or, or value investors. And, and just as there are a few old, bold pilots, uh, there's few investors who retire rich after being traders their, their entire career. Uh, a value investor looks at insurance, uh, looking at insurance will, will apply a capital charge, use fully loaded expenses, reasonable discount rates, and somewhat conservative assumptions based on uncertainty. They'll work in tandem with the time horizon of the liabilities, making sure asset liability management is conservatively managed. Uh, and these assumptions need to work in the future. So you, they can't be based entirely on historical data that's not predictive uh, in future environments. And, and that's a phenomenon I call an, an unknown known. Uh, it's also helpful to have a contrarian listened to during the process, someone like, like Charlie Munger at Berkshire Hathaway who thought like an owner whose capital was at risk. Unfortunately, there's, there's few of those types of people around and even fewer management teams that are willing to listen to them. Dave, do you have any examples of company practices that have built up uh, resilience in the past? Yeah, I, I can talk about one example, at least, that, that comes to mind right away, a company that was very resilient in the financial crisis. They deliberately chose to, to pivot away from one of their most successful and profitable product lines. They de-emphasize their variable annuity product a, a year or, or so before the uh, the financial crisis hit when they suspected that the stock market 
and the VA market were getting frothy. They dropped from being a top 10 seller of variable annuities to a much lower position in the sales ranking. And, and when the market crashed, they were much less exposed than they could have been. They were still exposed, but just not as much. Uh, and in that case, they were able to, to show all four of, of the, the elements that I suggested were important for uh, resilience with the RM. Their, their risk management and their company strategy were both adaptable and they were aligned with each other. Uh, they also executed this change uh, in, in a way that was both disciplined and transparent. Sometimes when even when a company tries to pivot that way, they have some rogue operators who who uh, are not disciplined and, and, and decide to go with a, a former strategy anyway. Uh, and, and, and this company, uh, they were able to execute uh, with, with full alignment there all the way down the line. Resilience is so important that it's useful to keep in mind the basics. Transparency, discipline, alignment, and adaptability. Many insolvency case studies show that practitioners forgot about one or more of them. Remember to avoid skipping over something that seems obvious. It will pay off in the end. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of Crossing Thin Ice, presented by Actuarial Risk Management. If you found it valuable, please like, subscribe, and share with your colleagues. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. Now we want to tell you about ARM's ERM Advisory Services. Our ERM Advisory team, led by Dave Ingram and Max Rudolph, is available to provide a wide range of support to your enterprise risk management program. For example, we provide ERM training and education for insurer boards, executives, risk management staff, and general employees. The Crossing Thin Ice series of newsletters, webcasts, and podcasts, which you just listened to, are examples. A full range of ERM topics are available for presentation in person, live via webcast, or delivered as a recording for general ERM education or advanced training. And we can adapt our material to align with your existing or planned ERM approach. We are happy to discuss your situation and how we might provide you with the help that you need to move forward drawn from our decades of experience working with insurer ERM programs. Thank you.